The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. And welcome wrestling fans to the Ice Hour. This podcast is aimed at promoting the world of Division Three college wrestling and is named for the late Hall of Fame coach Dave Eisenhower. Here we'll talk about topics and news that's relevant to those who compete for the love of the sport in Division Three. The Ice Hour is sponsored by My House Sports Gear. Check out their line of wrestling gear and apparel at MyHouseSportsGear.com. Subscribe using your favorite podcasting app by going to MattTalkOnline.com slash ice. Episode 8 of the Ice Hour, a D3 Wrestling Podcast. My name is Jason Bryant, and today we'll be talking with Jim Brown from Wrestling for Life, and a little later on in the program, we'll be talking to Jesse Gunner, a two-time All-American from Baldwin-Wallace out in Ohio. And as we open up the program with Mr. Brown, Jim, first of all, welcome to the Ice Hour. You're, we know you're a huge D3 Wrestling fan. We also know you're a huge fan, even though you're living in Iowa, of the College of New Jersey, coached by the namesake of this program, Dave Eisenhower. Yes, I am. Uh, uh, thank you, uh, Jason, for having me uh, on today. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of an interesting story about how the uh, the Dave Eisenhower connection came about. Uh, the 2008 Division Three Championships, uh, I met uh, one of his uh, assistant coaches, uh, and and he introduced me to Dave, and then uh, I got to talk to him again in 2010, which was our first year of providing tickets uh, for the Division Three Championships. So I am uh, doubly honored uh, to be on the Ice Hour, quite frankly. Yeah, I gotta love Ice and 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 his just demeanor about things, his his cynical sarcasm and his bluntness, and his just. Overall, good nature when you're not around a wrestling tournament because, you know, he, it was like yeah. you're, you're around a mat and he got real fired up and it was always fun to talk wrestling with Ice. But while we're talking with Jim today, uh, a little background, his organization is called Wrestling for Life, is a company that uh, finds ways to, to raise money and get tickets to kids to check out wrestling events to help grow the sport of wrestling and further develop that pipeline of fans because, as we know, uh, a lot of the wrestling fans that are attending the Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three championships have been doing it for a long, long time, and able to replenish those uh, those fans, we have to get them hooked on the sport of wrestling early. And uh, let's just start from the beginning, Jim. How did how did this whole idea start? And uh, you know what what really got the wheels turning when it says, you know what, I, I want to do something for the kids here. Well, in in two thousand eight, um, before we started working on the on the Division Three championships. Uh, I just had the, this notion that that I would find a couple of kids' clubs and we would uh, give them tickets uh, to Iowa Hawkeye dual meets. Uh, I was a season ticket holder uh, and uh, noticed that we didn't have a lot of kids coming uh, to the events. In fact, as you say, it, it was kind of an older uh, crowd, and that was 2008. The Division Three Championships were here. I attended. Uh, I went again in 2009. Uh, have fell in love with the the event that is uh, the 2000 or the NCAA Division Three Championships, and so I decided I'm giving tickets away to Hawkeye meets. Let's see how many tickets we can give away uh, for the Division Three Championships. And 
we were lucky. We had a great group of, of supporters who came together and, and helped us financially in that, that first uh, year that we did it in 2010. We gave away 600 tickets to kids from all over Iowa and, and western Illinois, and we've been doing it ever since. Uh, we have done it primarily when it has been in Cedar Rapids, but last year um, we put we put together uh, a program for the folks in Hershey, and we were able to get some tickets uh, to kids uh, for the championships there. And it is our intention now um, that we want to do it every year for the Division Three championships, regardless of who is hosting. So the obvious question I think my, some people might have is why not Division One, why not Division Two? But I think you've slightly answered that by being, you know, living right there in Cedar Rapids and being close to the community wrestling community there. But you know, has there been any thought to go uh, beyond Division Three for for a national championship ticket campaign? Well, we have. Uh, we uh, and again, the, the first time was because of, of Cedar Rapids. We gave away tickets to the NAIA championships in 2011 when they were here. Uh, we have given away uh, tickets to Division Two, and we'll do so next year again because Cedar Rapids is hosting, but uh, it, it gives us a chance to break into a, a new uh, division. Um, division One championships right now are beyond our financial ability to uh, provide tickets. Um, it, we... We are largely supported by private donors, and we try to get the most uh, value for uh, what they give us. And Division One would be a great opportunity, but it's it's a financial stretch for us. Uh, you know, if some some businessman out there wants to finance us for a few extra thousand dollars, we'd be glad to do it. <laughs> That's always the answer. Hey, you know, what is it? Show me the money, and uh, we'll make it happen. Yes. Now, as, as we talk about Division Three in this show about Division Three wrestling, I've, I've got an affinity for it, having covered uh, every Division Three championship since 2009. We've met, we've hung out at the uh, what is it, the Marriott over there that that, that you yeah. kind of you you kind of hold court there and uh, you know meet yeah. with fans and wrestling coaches who who you've met over the years. And the one thing I've noticed about the Division Three community it is it is very communal. I mean, it is for lack of a better term, the coaches of opposing teams. They hang out together. They, they, they socialize. They, they, they real have a, they have a really good rapport with one another. And it's not like you see at some of the, you know, you know in the division one level where you're not going to see Tom Brands and Cale Sanderson sit down and have dinner with each other the night before a tournament. You maybe you might not see that with Augsburg and Wartburg, but you'll definitely see that with some <laughs> other, other division three teams, especially within the Iowa conference. And what is it about division three uh, that that's really made this worthwhile for you, not just living in Cedar Rapids, but the the whole wrestling division as a whole. Well, it's primarily just the the, the fact that I believe that, and and I'm prejudiced because my daughter was a Division three athlete, but uh, the Division three athlete to me embodies what is the uh, student athlete. Uh, as somebody uh, once told me, he said, you know. These kids pay to continue to wrestle, and 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 I guess that that's one way that it that it sank into me is that these athletes have a special love for the sport um, that seems a little different than than uh, Division One athletes, um, and then and then it is the camaraderie, and then of course 
I think that Division Three fans are just plain fun. You know, we, everybody knows uh, Augsburg and, and, and Wartburg, but by golly, uh, those lacrosse and those Luther fans aren't. Aren't they a hoot, Jason? <laughs> yeah, the I remember in Hershey last year, I was doing a little video for the NCAA, and I, I was like, you know, it was a, during a break. The Luther fans were actually made the trip out to Hershey, which was awesome. And I yeah. was doing the, the video uh, recap and, you know, the highlight package for NCAA.com. And I was I talked to them, I was like, hey, can you guys give me that Luther chance? So I got it on video. And, you know, it's like that's the, you know, I don't know what they're saying. I know they're spelling it out. Uh, I haven't really, you know, L, L, U, L, U, you know, and it's just like one of those. And then the Wisconsin Whitewater fans have been coming out in droves with the you dubbed up, you dubbed up. I mean, it's just, you, you, you kind of, it's not contrived at the division one championships, but it seems to be, you know, matchup. It's like, okay, there's a roar when a guy wins, but there's not like, and there may be the Iowa chant or the, or the, the longest Minnesota chant ever, but it seems just really quick on the cuff. And one thing I like is the fans are educated. The student bodies get out there oh, yeah. and, and do it. So, I mean, that's one thing I love about it. But as we circle back to the uh, the Wrestling for Life program, this used to be known as Tickets for Kids and a little bit of a, a naming snafu there, and you eventually had to change the name. Talk about that a little bit. Well, uh, there is a, an organization in uh, Pennsylvania, actually in Philadelphia, uh, that owns the rights to the name, and uh, they provide tickets for uh, arts events, and uh, the nice lady who runs the organization sent me a very polite letter and asked me to cease and desist, so we did, uh, and then we went through the process of, what do we call this organization? And because we particularly value uh, the lessons that are learned on the mat and in the wrestling room, uh, we just felt like uh, you know, wrestling means a lot to the life of, of these young people. And so let's just call it that. Let's call it Wrestling for Life. And uh, I, I would say the reaction to the name change was very positive. Um, we still have some folks who, who call us tickets for kids, and, and I don't encourage it, but I don't, uh, I don't tell them that they can't. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of a, I was in the marketing business uh, for 30 odd years and, and any branding you get is good branding. So, uh, you know, and, and we now do other things, but we, we are known for the ticket program uh, and, and we're not going to do anything to, uh, to change that. It's, it's still our anchor, the, and the Division Three championships are the, are the biggest thing we do. We we had great success this year with Grapple on the Gridiron, uh, which was you know really a pretty easy sell. But but this is this is our signature event, the Division Three championships. As we talk about getting people involved in wrestling and, and making them uh, fans at a young age, there's also some stipulations. This has to be, to my understanding, uh, they, the kids can't be in high school because I believe there's NCAA rules to deal with. I mean, what, what, what rules and hurdles do you have to jump through to make something like this work? Well, that's the big thing. It's uh, the NCAA, they, they have some uh, forms that you can fill out to, to give the tickets away to high school kids. And we just... Um, we're a little understaffed, uh, so we just avoid it by saying um, middle school or younger. And 
we're we are pretty we're pretty stringent about making sure that our tickets go to uh, that age group so that we're we're not worried about the NCAA uh, and they check up on us occasionally and and, and frankly um, D3s are, are are one of those times when they double check and make sure that we're doing what we're saying we're doing um, so we just we, we just have to be careful uh, I, I'm sure um, that we've probably had one or two kids slip through the crack who were who were high school athletes and and uh, uh, but we we do the best we can to make sure that that we are within uh, NCAA regulations. Yeah, obviously the in- intent there is not to deceive. But one thing I like about it is getting the middle school kids in the state of Iowa. Wrestling is part of the culture. Same with the same uh, state of Pennsylvania. So probably not a tough sell in those particular regions for for getting people interested. But even within the state of Iowa, I, I'm curious on how you became a wrestling fan and why you're so passionate about it, making the younger generation wrestling fans. Oh, this is a long story, Jason. Do you have time? We got time. <laughs> Plenty of time. <laughs> okay. Uh, I never wrestled. Uh, well, I, I, I won the um, eighth grade middle school uh, championship at Frank L. Smart Junior High in Davenport, Iowa. Uh, but I never went out for the team. And my, oh, I don't know, probably my sophomore year in college, I had a friend who was uh, wrestling at a D3 school, um, Augustana, and he wanted to drive to Ames to see Gable wrestle. Now, if you grew up in Iowa in that era, um, you had a lot of people who knew Dan Gable who didn't know the names of our senators. Um, it, it, he he was just that legendary. I think he's so legend, this, that this, legendary now. I can't name any of my senators. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so anyway, this this kid was uh, a freshman wrestler at Augustana. He'd never seen Gable wrestle, and he wanted somebody to just go along with him to sh- to share the driving. So uh, I went, rode with him. We went to Ames. Um, I can't tell you uh the team they wrestled i can't tell you the individual he wrestled all i can tell you is that i was just i was blown away by what i saw um the domination and 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 everything that he did and and as you say it's our culture here we know wrestling we're all introduced to wrestling so it's not like you're uh, a completely new fan so then the 72 Olympics rolled around, and and uh, uh, those of us, you know, a lot of us and I were, were watching on TV, and, and, and we watched him win his gold medal. And then the, the tenure at Iowa starts, and I started going to dual meets in I, 1979 or 1980, um, and, and would go to maybe one or two duels a year. And then uh, my Feb in 1989, uh, my now wife and I started dating, and she got me season tickets uh, as a gift. Now, is that a great woman or what? Uh, Lock so that we, one up quickly. Yes, <laughs> wife <I did>. that <laughs> one immediately. <I did. laughs> 
so uh yeah we've had season tickets since 1989 um and just i i just fell in love with the sport the more i got exposed to it uh i fell in love with it the more i got to know the the athletes the coaches the other fans uh the more the the culture grew on me um and so i i just got to be a fan and and it came there came a time when um somebody made me realize that uh you can be just a fan but you can actually if you work at it there's some things that you can do to help the sport if you want it doesn't have to be anything uh huge just do something and and uh that guy pretty much told me you know get off your butt and if you think this is a good idea do it so i did as we talk about the evolution of this thing i believe that at last word you probably need to update some numbers because the last numbers i saw is over 5500 tickets have been distributed i'm, I'm sure that number's uh higher and you're going to even blow past that with the division threes coming up in Cedar Rapids this year. But, you know, what were your initial goals and how many kids you wanted to send? And, and, you know, at one, at what point have you, have you gone in, man, we're, we're really making an impact here. Well, originally I thought, you know, if, if I could, if I could get kids to, to a couple of dual meets a year, I'd, I'd be a happy camper. And I had in 2010, it hit me that when we were able to raise enough money and and get 600 kids to the division 3 championships um it, it hit me then that you know this thing we can get we can get a lot of kids exposed uh, to wrestling and you know we now have uh we have what we call middle school wrestling day at UNI uh we we now have uh, we just had our second annual uh, event where where we sent a group to uh, to Rutgers meets. Uh, we did Ohio State this year. We did Nebraska. Uh, it's when people find out what we're trying to do. Uh, it, it's well, first of all, it's easy to find kids to give in groups to give tickets to, um, but you have to find people who are willing to support you. And when they find out that that we look at this in two different ways, first of all, we're getting uh, kids involved in this great sport uh, to learn its lessons, but also one of the things that that we're doing is, as you mentioned, we are creating a new fan base. You know, kids kids see basketball games and they see football games and they see baseball games all the time on television. But I had a middle school coach tell me one time, that he said, you know, our kids, the only wrestling they see is what they see in a middle school gym. They have no idea uh, what is out there. They have no idea the great athletes that are involved in the sport. And we, we think uh, that we are creating the next fan base as well as as uh, getting these kids on the mat and and uh, uh, experiencing everything that they can experience with the sport. 
Some of the foundations of this started with the blog that you had penned. Uh, I believe it was starting in uh, 06, 07, 08, in that range. The view from section yeah. GG1 and 2, which those uh, don't have to be mathematicians to figure that out, that it's those are your seats at Carver-Hawkeye. And yes. this this it, it started to get some traction. People were like, I'm reading what Jim Brown's going to say, and you, you had a different take on being a wrestling fan. And how much did that blog really help kickstart this whole concept? Well, it helped a lot uh, because... Uh, nobody had any idea who I was. Uh, the, the blog, uh, quite frankly, the, the, the blog reached a level of popularity that I never uh, imagined would happen. I, I, I just figure I'm sitting, you know, I'm sitting here in my office, in my home, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and, and every week I'm penning my uh, thoughts uh, about the sport. And uh, people ask me, you know, why did you stop writing it? And it, it just got to the – well, two things uh, made that happen. Um, first of all, when I started writing it, there were not a lot of, there were not a lot of people writing and, and blogging about it. And, and now people like you and, and, and Wade Chalice and, and so many um, – Interesting, knowledgeable, uh, intelligent people are now uh, writing and and broadcasting about the sport. That there wasn't really much of a need. Uh, my voice wasn't really lending much to what was going on. And there are only so many hours in the day, and and I just decided finally, you know, I'm going to spend my time. Uh, with wrestling for life and the blog kind of fell by the wayside and I keep in my mind, I, if you go to my website, there's a spot on there for a blog and there's only just the initial entry. Uh, I, I keep intending to occasionally write one and, and haven't, uh, but we'll see. We'll see if we start it up again. But like I say, there are just so many more uh, great voices out there in the sport now than than there were in 2006 and 2007. And actually, I got to get that that title right. It was what GG 121 and two, or I think I said one 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 and two. I, I well, <laughs> well, the 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 uh, title of the blog was actually only the view from section GG. Uh, but yeah, it's it, GG uh, row twelve uh, seats one and two. So it's my my uh, online username has been for so many years, GG12, one and two. And it's incredible how many people thought that that was my wrestling record. <laughs> yeah. Mine would have been like <laughs> JB four and one or something like that. It would have been, yeah, yeah. what's 41. Uh, no, no, that's definitely not my weight class. That's, uh, maybe 241. But uh, anyway, as far as that, and of course, that's where uh, the home of the Wrestling for Life Facebook page is at is at facebook.com slash gg121 and spelled out and then the number two. So uh, that's where you can yeah. find Wrestling for Life on Facebook and, of course, wrestlingforlife.org. You can check check things out there. And, and Jim, here's the thing that jumped out at me. You, you had said earlier that you were a, you know, a fan and nobody knew who you were. People took notice in 2010. Yeah. The NWCA awarded you the Dan Gable America Needs Wrestling uh, award, which is uh, goes to somebody that's kind of going above and beyond what 
what what a fan or an individual would do to show that America needs wrestling. It's named after Dan Gable after his famous quote that America needs wrestling. What was it like for you to receive that award? And 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 yeah, how much of a surprise did it come to you? I mean, it's been uh, six years now. Well, uh, it was a complete shock to me. Uh, I was uh, more honored uh, than anyone can possibly imagine. Um, to have my name even in the slightest way tied to Dan Gables is uh, was just unimaginable to me. Um, and interestingly, the the award ceremony uh, was uh, at the NCAA championships. Uh, I was doubly honored that year. I got to be a, uh, a marshal uh, in the. Uh, the, the uh, All-American March, uh, I, I just, it, it certainly uh, ranks in, in among my top proudest moments. And when we look at the people that have won that award over the years, there's been some big names, people that, you know, that are behind the scenes, and there's also some names that have been in the forefront of it. Where do you want to see this organization go in the future? What's the what's the end goal, or what's what's like a high mark that you say, you know, this is a goal we want to hit? There, is there a set number of tickets per year, a set number of events? I mean, what is, I guess, the, the end game for Wrestling for Life? Well, uh I'm, I'm hoping there is no end game. Um, Good answer. <laughs> we, we, uh, we have been branching out into other areas. Um, we are uh, big supporters of women's wrestling, and uh, the state of Iowa has uh, lagged behind many states in uh, the growth of girls' wrestling. So we are... Uh, involved with female elite wrestling, which is the Iowa USA wrestling girls team. And we pro- provide some financial uh, support for them. Uh, we believe very strongly that um, tomorrow's wrestling fan needs to be educated about the history of the sport. So we're involved with uh, uh, helping the national wrestling hall of fame, Dan Gable museum, uh, increase its its uh, educational involvement and we just recently uh, we have discovered that there is an amazing number of young athletes who leave the sport for lack of adequate gear and our newest effort is uh, uh, providing uh, wrestling gear primarily shoes but also uh, other items providing wrestling gear to uh, schools, mainly middle schools, um, who they can't keep their kids because they're, the, the, their kids don't have, have good shoes. I mean, we, we, had a, we have some partners in, in other areas of the country who are helping with this, and, and uh, uh, we, we gave some shoes with the help of, of this partner to a school uh, that they had a box of community shoes and in a dual meet, the kids would pick out the closest pair to their size and they didn't have enough shoes for an entire squad. And so they would have to pick out a pair of shoes that was the closest to their size, go out on the mat and wrestle, 
come back, take their shoes off, put them back in the box, and this next kid had to do the same thing. And if they went to a tournament, that meant kids couldn't wrestle because they couldn't be wearing two pairs of – if they had the same size, uh, they couldn't compete at the same time. Now, to me, for that to happen in this sport is criminal. And I, the little bit that we've been involved with this, uh, we see how great the need is. And as we try to grow, to, grow the sport – this roadblock has to be removed. Uh, we just can't let uh, a lack of a pair of shoes uh, keep a kid off the mat. It just, to me, uh, how can we do that? How can we let that happen? Um, you know, people, there's the big issue that, that people buy into, you know, how, how could we let the Olympic Committee um, want to eliminate wrestling uh, from the Olympics. I get how important that is, but how can we as a sport, how can we let this, let a simple thing like making sure each kid has a pair of wrestling shoes, how can we let that stand in the way of the growth of the sport? Um, I, I suspect uh, our board members are, are behind me uh, 100% on this. I suspect that eventually... Uh, the the shoe and the gear program will take over and and be our, our largest contribution. Well, with those contributions, how can people uh, donate to the cause? Obviously, wrestlingforlife.org is the website. Uh, and I understand you yep. have a GoFundMe page going on. So what can people do to A, uh, with the gear, B, with the tickets, C, contribute, or all of the above? Well, um, on the the Wrestling for Life on our website, there is a donation page. Um, we, for each, for different do donation levels, we kind of point out uh, what a, a certain donation will, will, uh, will pay for. Uh, I just, uh, as a matter of fact, as we were sitting here, I got notice that we had just received an $18 donation which we say goes to headgear. And so that's what we'll do. We'll just we'll take that $18 donation and we'll buy a pair, a pair of headgear and we'll send that off to somebody. I have uh we have requests for gear. This morning I I got another one and uh and we haven't even really spread the word yet. That's that's what makes me understand just how much impact we could eventually have with this program um, because we've done little more than mention it on Facebook that, that uh, we're now doing it. Um, so, yeah, they can donate there. Um, I, I will take checks if they want to uh, send one made to Wrestling for Life at 130 24th Street Northeast, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52402. Uh, we're, we're constantly looking for uh, corporate sponsors. You know, and that's one of the things that, that we're blessed with being in Cedar Rapids. So it, it, this is a wrestling town. You've been here. You, you know, uh, we love the sport, and, and uh, almost all of, of 
our corporate sponsors come from Cedar Rapids, uh, some from Iowa City, and we have a few that, that, that come from other parts of the country, but we have, oh gosh, I can't tell you how many of our supporters, the business owners, uh, wrestled. And, and uh, it, it's kind of our supporters are, are a, a smaller version of wrestling, the Wrestlers and Business Network or, or the International uh, Fraternity of Wrestlers. Um, they're here. You, you know, you've talked to them. Bartenders, uh, hotel managers, uh, you name it. Somebody, somebody is associated with wrestling in this in this city, and it's it's just part of it. it it's part. It, it makes it easier for us to uh, accomplish our goals and to grow and to move on because you, we we live in a community that loves the sport the way that we do here in Cedar Rapids. So you had to throw the bartender thing out there, didn't you, Jim? Yeah, I'm not going to tell you how well yeah. I know the bartenders <laughs> in Cedar Rapids. I just know that. Uh, couple places around that town have heard some of my uh, karaoke renditions. I look forward to it ah. this year. I look forward to, uh, to being on the PA down there in Cedar Rapids in a couple of weeks. And, uh, Jim, thanks for coming on and telling us about Wrestling for Life. Well, thank you so much, Jason, for having me on. Uh, I really appreciate it. Now up on the Ice Hour, we're going to be heading to Ohio and talking with Jesse Gunner, a senior two-time All-American for the Yellow Jackets of Baldwin-Wallace. And uh, first things first, Jesse, welcome to the Ice Hour. I know you you said before we started that you listen to every show. Uh, you know, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So let's just talk a little bit about the sport of wrestling and what it means to you uh, before we get into some of the details about your career. Uh, when did you first discover wrestling, and what, what what made you fall in love with this sport? Uh, when I was in the seventh grade, I really wanted to do a sport, and I wasn't able to do any other sport until one of my friends was talking to me about I should join wrestling just to try it out. And uh, from there, him and I just wrestled every day and got better each and every day. And... Uh, I loved the competition. I loved the idea of getting better and just staying active. There's one key to this that those who, who don't know the unique situation that you're in, you're legally blind, which makes participating in a lot of those other sports very, very, very difficult. Yes. So how do you, how, you know, what, first off, what is uh, your level of sight and, and how does that, how do you, balance that and I mean how do you correct that throughout uh, you know day-to-day things that aren't around the wrestling mat um so my vision as you said is I am legally blind um so the way I do is honestly when you go and I go to like campus and things like that I memorize where everything on campus was through tours or just through walking walking the class to class with friends and everything. So now I'm always been able to walk alone and do everything by myself, just do it by memorization of what classes, what buildings and things like that are. So when did you learn this type of memorization? I mean, it was something that you've obviously had to deal with for a while, but at what point did you start being able to try to, you know, heighten that, that memory there to make sure that getting around didn't require special, special usage of other things. 
Uh, probably when I was in fifth grade, uh, when I was in middle school, we had a big building that was really confusing. So I knew that I wasn't going to be able to just know where all the classes were. So I just walked around the building a couple of times and uh, I realized that I could memorize wherever the numbers were on the classroom. So I soon realized that I can memorize any part of the building and I'd be able to get from place to place. Now, was it something where you'd go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, do you kind of measure it out number of steps? I mean, how did you, how did you start that process? And then, you know, how do you modify it based on different places you're at? Um, actually, I don't have to do it by steps. Uh, when I first started doing it, I did. Um, but as I got older, my memory developed. So now I'm able to just walk from place to place and be able to go based off of a sense of direction. Um, I think God just gave me a good sense of direction. So that's a really good thing. So even though you're you're legally blind, I could probably use you as a navigator, and you'd do a lot better than my wife would. <laughs> if you think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's that's the old cliche. But uh, as we as we talk about the sport of wrestling, when did you start to find success within the sport? It was one of the few you said that you could you could try. But what, where was the moment you're like, you know what? I'm actually I'm getting pretty good at this. Um, I think I realized that. It's- I was getting pretty good um, in my eighth grade year. Um, when I was in eighth grade, I, I I realized that I was able to continue to progress from my first year to my second year. And then my freshman year in high school, I seen that all the work that I was doing started to pay off. I was able to beat a couple kids that beat me in middle school my freshman year in high school, and I continued to get better and better. Um, I got better as my freshman year went on, my sophomore year, my junior year, and then I had that finally had that breakout season my senior year. So when it comes to, to wrestling, it, it's a sport, a lot of it's built on feel. You've actually proven that. But uh, what's, in terms of the limitations that uh, the, the blindness needs, how much can you actually see? I and mean, just to, to preface this, I mean, we we were texting beforehand, so I mean, there's there's probably what the you know what, how far does your vision go clear? And you know, have you ever used corrective lenses, or you know, what is the amount of stuff that you can actually see uh, without actually having to memorize something? Um, I do use I do use lenses such as like contact lens and things like that. Um. To answer the question about how much I can see, it it kind of depends um, of how close and how far you are from me. Um, I have the, if you ask me about facial features and stuff, you'd have to be pretty much right up next to me for me to be able to tell. But um, with objects, usually I can tell pretty well if I've seen the object before. Um, that's really about it with my vision. So when that comes into play on a wrestling mat, the the, the motion and that type of thing, uh, you can't wear. Uh, you, so you can't wear those corrective lenses when you wrestle. I, I'm assuming. No, no, I don't use the corrective lenses. I just wear con- I just wear contacts. Oh, okay. Well, that's what that's, that's what, what I'm I took, referring to. Yeah. Yeah. 
So when you say you're on a mat and they, they don't have these protocols in place for uh, visually impaired wrestlers, someone with a, a lot of motion could cause you a lot of problems. What is it about the sport of wrestling that you appreciate the fact that there is a rule set for the visually impaired? Um, I'm actually really appreciative of it. Um, I realize that um, with with the visual impairment rule or guideline, that it does give me an advantage to whereas it makes the match more fair because then I can actually wrestle with you or if you're wrestling, staying in contact. Um, I have had experience wrestling without the visual impairment role, um, my seventh and eighth grade year, um, and I still did fairly well. So I think that the role itself helps a lot, but I think that when you can when you start when you start to realize what wrestling is, you're going to be able to feel that person and their movement and where the specific body part is. So I know that you had had battled uh, with um, I don't know if it was the NCAA or it was somebody about uh, you know basically validating um, the fact that you were legally blind. You know, how, was that frustrating to go through that process that people weren't believing you or weren't believing Coach Gibbs and say, no, no, I mean, yeah, yeah, you see him walk around on his phone, you know, he's got it real close, but, you know, does, is, is it kind of get under your skin a little bit and be like, hey, come on, guys, really? Uh, actually, when I was a freshman or sophomore, yes, it, uh, it really annoyed me. Um, I hated the fact that people would question it because – from my perspective, I don't see any advantage of me saying or faking, oh, I'm visually impaired. I would I would love for someone to be able to tell me what that advantage is and why somebody would subject themselves to that much criticism if it's not true. Um, but then as I continued to get older, my junior and senior year, I was able to talk with Coach Gibbs and uh, and the other coaching staff and my teammates, and they were able to encourage me and, and, you know, get me to understand that if somebody doesn't believe it, it doesn't matter because I have the documentation and I know what's true. So what others think, it doesn't really matter too much. One thing I noticed about you wrestling the last couple of years at the Division Three Championships was – and this isn't a knock by any means, it's just merely an observation, is that your matches take so much longer than everybody else's if you're in a tight match. I remember your matches with Paul Biwak from, from Johns Hopkins. And these things, not just a marathon because they went into overtime of the tiebreakers, but you know, every time there's, there's, there's separation, the whistle blows. I mean, does, how does that affect you as a wrestler? Because you, know, you, get in a, you get in a flow, you get in a flurry, you're like, all right, oh, we've got to stop again. I mean, that's got to distract you as well. I don't know. I mean, it might be a little bit of a distraction to us, but I've always looked at it this way. Um, if you look at it, when we break contact, all it does is make us restart into our neutral position and you just continue to wrestle. I used to tell people that one big difference that is between the style that I'm wrestling and maybe the style that someone else is wrestling for someone who doesn't have to hold contact is I'm wrestling just like people did when 
that's when it originated. And um, Greece and Roman and Roman times, you know, I'm staying in complete contact and I'm not breaking contact at any time. And if I am, then that time just stops and you restart. It's been interesting to to go through this process. You've been honored by the Ohio House of Representatives last year. You most recently won the uh, Higher Achievement Award, which is presented by COSIDA, which is the College Sports Information Directors of America. And uh, you, you got honored at a basketball game on February seventeenth. What was it like to be presented that award uh, in, in front of the stu- you know in, f- in front of the fans and student body of Baldwin Wallace right before you know right during a basketball game? So it wasn't just wrestling. Okay, you're awarding it during wrestling. Meet. It, it was it was a, a men's basketball game. Uh, it was such an honor. Um, I truly appreciate the Harris Achievement Award and the people who voted for me and that achievement. Um, I, I, I've told everybody this, that with with the accomplishments that I have achieved thus far, and I hope to accomplish more, none of this is possible without God, and I'll give all the credit to him. And I'm to be able to be on it in front of my peers at the basketball game, it was such an honor just to be able to sit there or stand up there and realize that I have accomplished something and I continue to accomplish things. And it, it just puts everything into perspective and it makes you appreciate everything that you do and every little thing that happens in your life. Did you find uh, or research any any other wrestlers that, that that were visually impaired and had success to try to find them? You know, we, we've seen stories in the newspapers about uh, amputees looking at Anthony Robles, the national champion from Arizona State at Division One level, and drawing inspiration from him. Did you? Who did you draw inspiration from as a wrestler to go through this process? Um, I actually loved watching Anthony Robles when I was um, in high school. Um, I loved it because he was very. He showed everybody that just because you have some kind of impairment, it doesn't mean that you can't accomplish your dreams. And he was able to accomplish his dream his senior year. And uh, I thought it was really cool just watching him and just seeing how hard he worked to accomplish what he wanted. And this this might sound like a stupid question because I am not versed in anything with visually impaired. I mean... I've had I've had LASIK surgery. That's about the extent of my 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 uh, my vision and having wear glasses. But uh, you know, when you said you watch Anthony Robles, I mean, how how do you watch film? I mean, how close is the screen? Is it iPad? I mean, how how close do you actually have to be to actually take in the moves and and and, and pick them up on on a screen? Um, actually, what I do is um, my parents when I was in high school, they had a seventy inch screen TV, big screen TV, which was really nice. And what I would do is if I saw something, I didn't know what it was, I would ask my mom to put the screen in slow motion. And my mom is really big in the wrestling. She understands a lot and she understands the moves. And it was really neat because she would tell me how to, what he did and how he did it. And if I liked the move, I'd be able to practice on my little brother because he also wrestled when he was in high school. Um, so with film, it, it's more of somebody telling me what exactly they did. And then 
them performing it on me, and then I get the chance to do it on them. So to say that you really like going to practice and drilling certain things would be would be a bit of an understatement because that's how you absorb things versus you know you've got yeah you the mom in the film but you know it, it's it's the technique it's where you learn from it. Yes, yes, I uh, I actually really do enjoy practice. Um, I enjoy I actually enjoy play wrestling a lot because it's something that you can continue to build your your technique and your in your tank, you're able to just absorb so much more because you're feeling every movement, every takedown, every turn, every escape, every reversal. You're just feeling everything. Now let's let's go through a a, a process. You know we got the postseason coming up here, so uh, before each event. You know, there's mat assignments. Do you memorize how to get to each particular mat? Do you walk that out before the tournament from like the back tunnel? And you know, how, how does you and the coaching staff work with uh, mat assignments? And you you got bout calls coming. Okay, I know I'm going to mat four. You know how to get to mat four. Uh, usually, what happens is uh, I will go and I'll ask my coaches what mats which mat, and I will walk it through. Um, and if there's like a design on the mat. I will also get down in the referee's position to make sure I know where the two lines are, where I have to stand. Um, for the tunnel, usually I would just follow my coaches. Um, I'll just stay right behind them and one will be in front of me and the other one will be behind me. So that way I know exactly where I'm going. When you look at this team and, 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 when Jamie Gibbs got there, there was a, a postseason ban basically for all the sports, and then that affected wrestling. It's like, all right, you know what? No postseason basically to try to get the get the. I believe it was get the academics and everything up, and and kind of straighten all the various sports out, and uh, that kind of affected the wrestling program. But then, since you guys have been postseason eligible again, uh, you've placed twice, and this year Baldwin Wallace set a team record for most dual meet victories. Uh, with 18, and won the uh, Ohio Athletic Conference for the first time since 1973. What has it been like for you to be part of this team that's kind of brought Baldwin-Wallace Wrestling back to relevancy in Division Three? It's been a great honor. Um, I am so proud of all of my guys and all of the coaching staff and the parents and everybody who has done anything for Baldwin-Wallace Wrestling. Um, we went from having maybe a total of like six guys before for the first year that coach Jamie Gibbs came to a top 20 program to my senior year. So in five years, um, we accomplished one dream, one goal and we still have goals to accomplish. And we are, I am just so grateful for the chance and the opportunities that I've been given and to be blessed to be surrounded by such wonderful teammates and coaching staff and parents and faculty members. The opportunity that division three provides athletes is something that, uh, you know, we've talked about on this show uh, at, at length in, in other episodes, but uh, the division three landscape, is it, is it that what really gave you the opportunity to compete or did you consider division two, II, division one programs and, uh, you know, or, and how did division three fit into ultimately your athletic and academic goals? 
Um, well, academics is really important to me. Um, I'm also a two-time dual All-American, so in academics and athletics. Um, and I think that athletic or academics are the key to what's going to set you for life. And I thought about maybe attempting to go Division One or two, but ultimately I decided to go Division Three because I really liked Coach Kids and the way he was talking to me and how he was honest with every question I had when the when we were talking. And I liked the atmosphere that was created. And when I was able to come to uh, open mat, it was great to just meet some of the guys who are already on the team and just be able to get to know them and get to know more of the freshman class. And I really just liked the atmosphere. As is noted, is that you, you've already gr- graduated with your bachelor's degree. You're working on your master's in accounting. What are you looking to do once your wrestling career is over? Um, I actually might want to go into social services or something like business in general. Um, I really like business aspect. I really like the idea of talking to people, having that kind of relationship with people. I'm a complete people person and getting to know many different kinds of people and, and getting to know their background. Um, I'm also a big person who truly believes that if you want to achieve something, all you have to do is continue to work hard and believe in yourself and believe in the people that you surround yourself with. Um, I really do believe that you can accomplish anything you want if you truly put your heart and mind and soul to it. And I want others to realize that if you have a disability or even if you don't, that you can accomplish something no matter where you've come from or no matter what others have said to you or what people say about you. Also noted in your achievement award that, that you've worked with, with special needs children. And my daughter had, uh, this is an issue that touches close to me because I've uh, my daughter had spent a lot of time in the hospital when she was uh, an infant, and you know we we still have to go through surgery. So I'm sensitive to uh, you know you know early childhood education programs that that school systems have and and things of that nature for children that may need a little extra help or a little uh, you know extra hand here and there. And what have you done to work with those special needs kids? And and what experiences can you share with them and say, hey, look, you know uh, you know what do you teach them essentially? Um, so during the summer, two summers ago, so it'd be my sophomore year, I went to the Akron Rotary Club, which is a big, it's a big summer camp for students with special needs to be able to, um, be able to socialize with others, to be able to continue their learning. Um, and it was really cool just to be able to see so many different students. Um, and something that I realized that I taught is when people or when the students wanted to give up or thought something was too hard, I would tell them some kind of story that could relate to them. Um, you know, I would have a student, maybe a student with uh, Down syndrome, and we would be doing something like 
just trying to create, like, uh, trying to do a puzzle or something, and they'd say, this is too hard, this is too hard. And I would, you know, make up a story with, you know, imagine you're the king in the palace, and you get to do this and that. And when you make a fun story out of every, out of anything, any kind of student is going to respond. And I've noticed that students with special needs, when you make them feel special and that you believe in them and that they can accomplish what they're going for in their task, that they will continue to work harder because they realize that somebody actually believes in them. And to me, that's the greatest feeling in the world is just seeing the progress and just seeing that that student knows that somebody believes in them. You said making kids feel special. And in my experiences with, uh, you know, growing up around, uh, you know, we've got special needs kids everywhere. And some of them, I uh, take the effect that they, they do feel they need to feel special. And some of them have the opposite of, approach where they're like, they don't want to be treated any differently. How do you balance that type of attitude? And how did you go through that? I mean, how did you, did you want to be treated differently? Or did you want to be treated like everybody else? And how did you balance that, that, that knowledge that, you know, you needed a little bit of help here, but you didn't always want it to be like, oh, well, we had to help Jesse. We got to help Jesse. We got to help Jesse. Um, I'm very independent, actually. Um, I don't like additional help. I'm like one of those stubborn students. Um, I didn't like help as much because I wanted to prove to myself and others that I could do everything that a typical student could do without help. Um, and actually, it took until maybe last year, the year before, for me to realize that it's not going to hinder me to accept additional help. And if I need additional help, it's okay. It's not because I'm not as smart or as athletic or, or worse than somebody or a typical student or a typical person. It just means that I have something else that's different that I might need additional help. And uh, something that I realize is that whether you can see it or notice it or not, everybody needs help and everybody has a special need. Now, it might not be as impaired and it might not be as seeable, but everybody needs help in one way or another. And accepting that additional help and seeing and, 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 and just swallowing your pride is just something that I continue to work on to do because it was something that I realized that I needed the help and that accepting the help doesn't make me any better or any, any less. Um, and as far as balancing that with, with students, you need to know your, you need to get to know your students. If you see a student who is struggling because he, he or she thinks something is too hard Normally, that means that they need help because they need someone to believe in them. If you see somebody who is choosing not to do it because they just don't want to do it, that could just be because maybe they don't want the additional help. Maybe they want someone to believe in them that they can do it themselves. And I think there's a fine line between that. 
but you have to find that balance and you have to be able to lead students better. As we circle back to wrestling, you're ranked number two in the country at 133 pounds. You moved up in weight this year after placing twice at 125 pounds. How much has the the weight change uh, improved your wrestling ability, or do you feel it's made you more competitive? And what's it going to take for you to come through this season to become a national champion for for Coach Gibbs at Baldwin Wallace? I think that going up in weight class has really helped my wrestling because I'm able to focus on just wrestling and getting better instead of worrying about the weight cut and just continuing to get myself better and any position in any way that I wrestle. Um, what it's going to take for me to win a national title is everything that I've done thus far. Continue to work hard, continue to believe in myself, believe in my coaches, believe in my uh, teammates, and never giving up and continue to improve in every position and just continue to fight. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.